0: On today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, we explore Dolly Parton's 9 to 5. A sneaky song, a revolutionary song. A song where acrylic nails get credit. And I also learned the definition of penultimate, but refused to understand it. So, Bill, I have a question for you here. How does this song resonate with you, 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton, considering you
1: only work nine months of the year? Well, it's tricky because in the eyes of the world, I only really work from about 9 to 3.30, actually 9.20 to 3.20. Although I have to be in school earlier, and I generally should be staying later, and I mark at home. But as I'm saying this, I realize most people have stopped listening to me because I said (laughs) 9.20 to 3.20. Yeah, I uh, I really feel for the, uh, the 9 to 5 crowd. That's tough. Do, do you guys got to bring marking home? Sometimes, yeah. Oh, shoot. I don't even have a leg to stand on here.
0: I remember my very first job was 7.30 to 5 o'clock. And I was just dying for the day when I could get a quote-unquote 9 to 5 job. That
1: regular eight-hour shift, punch in, punch out, and you're done. When I worked at the shoe store and the bookstore, we had at least nine to six shifts, and they were awful. It's just, you'd just be counting down the moments after five. And so in my head, I'm like, same as you. I'm like, ooh, nine to five. That sounds great. That's an hour less than what I'm suffering through. Yeah. But also by the time we were doing that, the nine to five job kind of didn't exist anymore.
0: No, because you were always asked to work a little bit more, bring it home. It wasn't just turn on, turn off, and you're done with your
1: work. And since the pandemic, the idea of going into a place became ridiculous to some. And so you ended up working from home and that the option is there. But now, of course that's intruded into our personal lives and so we don't have the same sort of experience
0: there's no separation between work and personal life now especially with phones and emails and all that other sort of stuff i know i'm sounding like an old old man
1: here and everything but the fact that work can get a hold of me any time of the day yeah also these nine to five jobs generally would come with benefits I was reading about how that's almost become this bygone era as well. Oh, really? This might come up later too, but the idea of having these nine to five jobs seemed like a grind then, but now it's something that is a goal. And so there is a, um, I mean, we're going to get to actually (laughs) saying what we're talking about here, which of course is Dolly Parton's nine to five. So Dolly Parton did a commercial during the Super Bowl for Squarespace.
0: Yes, I read that. Yeah, And it
1: was called Five to Nine. And it was about the whole hustle culture. But there's these great articles on saying how depressing this was because now people are desperately trying to make up for the money they're not able to make at their regular jobs, So they're hustling. And yeah, was... they have their side hustles, yeah. which is what
0: this podcast is. Yeah, that's right. Except this is costing us money, isn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, one day it'll make money if we can figure out, you know, how to plant this into the ground and grow a money tree.
0: We will have a Patreon account set up shortly, I think, and then you can give us money for our fantastic podcasting skills. And and we'll also have other things on the Patreon account that, uh, you know, you can give us money for. Okay, great. Now let's go back to... Are, have we landed on the indecent proposal uh, category yet or no? Not yet.
1: Okay, well, that's still coming. When the song came out, it was sort of a newish idea that women would be working these nine to five jobs as a regular thing. And the whole wage disparity and gender
0: gap in employment was obviously massive in the 80s.
1: Yeah, it was at least 30% for women doing the exact same job as a man. Yeah, which is bonkers. And and it's still awful that it, it exists, this yeah. uh, wage disparity. Yeah, we still have echoes of this. And so Dolly Parton wrote this song, Sneaky Revolutionary, Sneaky Protest. Any of those words work? Yeah, absolutely they do. Dolly Parton writes this song. And she has
0: a really fascinating history. She's one of 12 children. Yep. They grew up very, very, very poor. Yeah. And... Dolly obviously showed some signs of talent and obviously had some hustle and everything. And I think she was 13 when she moved to Nashville.
1: I think she was 16. She had just graduated high school and left the very next day. Okay. I don't like it when you contradict me with your facts, yeah, Bill. Yeah. I think she sang, though, at the age of 13, at maybe the Grand Old Opry or oh, okay. something. Okay. That must be what I was And thinking. Johnny Cash was the one to introduce her. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So she did move though, when she, the day after uh, she graduated, like the morning she moved to Nashville. And then I think one of the first things she did when she got to Nashville is do laundry. And at the laundromat, she meets Carl Dean. Oh, seriously? Yeah. They get married a couple years later. They got married in 1966. Okay. And they've been married ever since. Yeah. So her like origin story has like, uh, well, all these elements to it make a, have they made a movie? About her life yet? No, but
0: honestly, they, they really should make a movie about her life. Dolly Parton was one of those artists that I always kind of dismissed as a novelty act. Yeah. Just because she was associated so much with country music. And growing up, country music really wasn't my thing. I, I didn't understand it. I, I thought it was, it was
1: all kind of a bit of a joke and everything. But Dolly endures. Oh, she's like the real deal. And she talked about this with Barbara Walters. Okay. In this awful interview she was given in 77 where she just asked a series of, I'd say, inappropriate questions. And Dolly, being Dolly, is always able to answer with grace and with intelligence. And she's so much smarter than everybody else in the room that she plays this role and they don't know that they're already being kind of um, brought into the Dolly world. Or Dollywood, as of course we know. Or the Dolly Verse. Yeah, the Dolly Verse. that's right. And so she even said to Barbara Walters, I play this role so people think I'm kind of ridiculous or I'm this character. She wears these wigs. She, you know, makes herself up to be larger than life. But then people start to see that there's more there. And she even describes it that way. But there's so much we could talk about for Dolly. And there's all these sort of podcasts biographies and things that you can see on Dolly Parton that are incredible. They won't be as incredible as what we do with 9to5. No, 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 no. I think this is probably the penultimate discussion
0: on 9to5 and Dolly Parton without talking so much about her past. Penultimate just means second to last. Oh, okay. I thought it was a good thing. This is our anti-penultimate take on 9to5 and Dolly
1: Parton. How about that? Is that, that better? Much worse. I think if you just took out pen and just said ultimate, I think we'd be in good shape. Now that we're back on track. Yeah. Dolly Parton's been very successful. She's done great in country, but she hasn't crossed over to the pop. Although, when she signed her record company, you were telling me this story before we started.
0: So the label wanted her to write and sing pop songs, but she wanted to do country. And they kind of forced the pop star on her, but it never really took and then so she ended up on the porter wagner show so she took over for an existing cast member who got married and and was no longer on the show fans of the show didn't like it porter wagner was a country star so she comes on the show within a year like fans love her And she's singing country music, and she's playing a country star on the show. I think it's like a variety show type thing. Yeah. Am I correct? Yep, correct. From there on, essentially, it was the Dolly show. It's Dolly doing country, which is what she wanted to do.
1: And there's some kind of nefarious dealings that went on with Porter Wagner, and you can find out more about that through other sources, but she always handled it with grace. Even as she talks about it now, it's pretty incredible. But in the end, she made her way out yeah and was an incredible country star just to put this in perspective nine to five and odd jobs is the album that this was placed on besides the soundtrack i guess it was her 23rd solo album are you serious just looking at wikipedia
0: that's bonkers in 23 years essentially she was on 23 albums or she released 23 albums
1: yeah it's his 23rd solo album. I so, I, I'm still i still kind of shocked. I I just don't even want to look at the discography because I'll be just scrolling forever. Yeah, that's crazy. Prolific songwriter. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. So there's so many great songs from the 70s. The, the, those 23 albums, I mean, there's so much there. There's so many songs we could talk about that just don't fit our podcast. Yeah. Blood of Clear Blue Morning, for me, is one of the best. Yeah. I'm next yeah, to yeah. Jolene, but oh my goodness, there's so much to talk about. However... However. However, Dolly Parton is looking to get into pop. Yeah. Right? She's had already a kind of a pop hit before this. And so she's starting to make her way over. And she signed with a new record company, I think, or a new agent who is moving her in that direction. That's what she wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And she had her own variety show called Dolly. Yeah. In 1977. Yeah. I think it
0: lasted for about a year.
1: Yeah. And so she's done all these sorts of things. And you have Jane Fonda... Working on a script for a movie. Now, Jane Fonda, of course, otherwise known as Hanoi Jane. Do you remember that story? She ended up protesting a lot of stuff in Vietnam. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so she's despised by certain elements in the States as a total traitor for what she did. Yeah. Yeah. But as she's working on the script for this movie called 9 to 5, which is inspired by the union group 9 to 5, which was comprised of working women from the early 70s. And it was one of the people that she was protesting the war with was in charge of this union. I think her name is Karen Nesbaum, actually. And she wanted to make a movie about sort of like revenge on bosses. And the initial script was really, really dark. Or at least the ideas people gave to her, because she asked a whole bunch of the union members what they'd like to do with their bosses.
0: Yeah, because it was supposed to be a
1: drama initially. Yeah. So she started thinking about other people to be in this movie. And yeah. she realized, and this came out of the Stereogum article, actually. So I'll just read this quote. She turned it into a comedy instead when she realized that nobody wanted to go see something preachy. And it's funny, though, that you can have comedic
0: movies about very serious topics. Mm-hmm. 9 to 5 works that way. One of our favorite movies, I think, collectively, The Other Guys. Yes. Which talks about the sort of corruption of uh, Wall Street and corporate America and everything. But that movie is just hilarious.
1: Yeah. And I mean, so that's uh, it's a 9 to 5 for cops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Jane Fonda, back to Jane Fonda, she's thinking about actresses she wants in her movie so you got lily tomlin comes on board and then it just came to her that dolly parton seemed like a good idea yeah it wasn't calculated because they asked her oh were you thinking because you alienated so many people that maybe if you brought dolly parton in that would help she said oh i don't think like that i wish i did or something like that Mm -hmm. but she just thought that dolly parton seemed to have this sort of um way about her that fit what she wanted out of this character and she also yeah. thought it was hilarious that there'd be a character who wouldn't be able to see her hands while she was typing on the typewriter okay. that was one of the <laughs> things with all these things about it and you have of course Dabney Coleman who's great in the movie yeah who's who's trying to seduce her or whatever just that sleazy it's boss such character, terrible right? yeah and so Dolly Parton in the movie the movie's really good yeah Dolly Parton just plays herself, she says. It wasn't really too tough. She just plays herself. And if you watch any Dolly Parton movie, she plays herself. Yeah. Which is a character anyways. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's a lovable, fantastic character.
0: And apparently when she moved to Nashville when she was 13 or 16 or however old as she was, she did work as a secretary when she first moved there as well.
1: I didn't know the secretary thing. Well, that's some good research, Frank.
0: Yeah. She answered phones at the Northern Outdoor sign.
1: Apparently, that's the name of the company. Okay. I was wondering if she was just right by that sign. So, she shows up one day on set and says, I have a song. I thought that
0: she didn't sign the contract unless she could write and perform
1: the opening credit song or the theme song to the to the oh yeah she said it she would only do it if it was a vehicle for her music so very business savvy and so the deal was she would be writing the music for it yeah but she didn't have the theme song until production like during production yeah that's right yeah shows up with this song and um this of course becomes this great lore that's written about is that she uses her nails To make the typewriter sound. Yeah, because she's dragging them or clicking them on a washboard. Yeah, so Jane Fonda says this about it. One day, Dolly arrived on the set, and she said, Hey, y'all, come over here. I think I got a song for us. And then Jane Fonda said, And she used her fingernails like a washboard, kind of keeping time rubbing her fingernails together. Clickety-clickety-click. And Dolly Parton said, I think it sounded like a typewriter. And that's what she did while she was writing the song. Yeah. So they put the nails into the personnel for the song. So on the album, it says, and nails by Dolly Parton. Oh, seriously? Yeah. That's awesome. Now, I thought the nails were actually in the recording, but it sounds like they weren't, that 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 came out afterwards. Although I'm still trying to figure out what that sound is, because it's not a typewriter, because it doesn't have that ch ching yeah. Because I know typewriters, and they sound like you're throwing a sledgehammer down onto the paper. <laughs> it's a great sound. Yeah. They definitely have the ring of the typewriter. But, well, we, we should probably get into it soon. I think Are, so, yeah. Yeah, I think we need to talk through the song. So the um, we have this song already made, and Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin realize that they have a huge hit on their hands because the song is so good that it will just drive sales of the movie yeah. and the movie was like i think the second biggest grossing movie that year it maybe? Was.
0: yeah it was empire strikes back was the biggest selling movie that year and nine to five is its follow-up yeah. is its penultimate
1: song there you go well right. or movie well, well you're closer certainly okay. circling around the drain there. it's second to something right second to something just yeah. not second to last uh it is second to last. That's uh, what penultimate is. So, yeah, but this movie wasn't. No. So it would be like second. Okay. So, pen second movie. Sure. Okay. All right, let's, let's talk about those first 10 seconds. That's all I want to talk about right now, the first 10 seconds. I'm playing those 10 seconds once again even though we listened to it about 4 times before we started. What an incredible opener. You have that drum, just, or is it a A symbol? It's, yeah, just perfect. And then the piano, dump, 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 dump. Yeah. And then the clickety clack. Yeah. And I'm like, what is the clickety clack? We talked about this with Juice Newton, Yeah, the, the clickety-clack. Yeah, the train sound. Yeah. And but sh- that was a train sound. This is a typewriter sound. Yeah. It feels like, I don't know if they've been able to compress it somehow, so you don't hear that banging that typewriters do. Uh, so I just thought it might have been her nails. But they have the type sound. I think you hear the bell yes. too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. It's and the bell, for those who are haven't had the pleasure
0: of typing on a typewriter like Bill and I have, the bell warned whoever was typing that they were coming up to the end of the line and they'd have to shift down to the next line.
1: Did you know that Ernest Hemingway actually wrote For Whom the Bell Tolls for his editor? And it was kind of this sort of tribute to him to say every time he hears the bell, it tolls for him. But it was actually a good thing. Wait, Ernest Hemingway's editor was Metallica? Am I (laughs) I wrong here? Oh man, I was wondering how long the joke would last. (laughs) And so I thought you'd go John Dunn just to, but you went metallic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, well. <laughs> this is a music podcast, yeah. though. Yeah, you got it. For who the bell tolls, I guess it tolls for me right now. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, 10 seconds, that's all you get and straight into the song, right? And and that, that's in the whole Spotify streaming era. That's what we want. We want to go straight to the song and it jumps right into this incredible verse. Tumble out of bed and stumbled to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Cup of ambition might be one of the greatest phrases in the last 50 years. Dolly Parton actually said it was supposed to be cup of coffee, and she just had cup of ambition come into her head. Oh, really? That's it. That's a fantastic line, though. And when she said that, when when she... described coming up with a cup of ambition she said high five like self high five oh seriously Give herself a five. <laughs> That's so, fantastic. so proud of herself so we have something else in common with dolly parton we help high five each other we have high five e- ourselves There's i think it. when we're happy yeah well no one else is going to do it well no no jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping out on the streets the traffic starts jumping for folks like me on the job from nine to five
0: a bit and a stumble to the kitchen for myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life jumping shower and the blood starts pumping out on the streets the traffic starts jumping folks like me on the job from nine to five what I like about the first verse is it is incredibly relatable this is exactly how I think everybody in the world wakes up when they have to go to a job yeah it's not a an easy thing it is a bit of a struggle it is a process you really have to get yourself moving and this just captures every single morning before work for me
1: it's so perfect and only a country singer could pull this off because this is country in terms of being able to take commonplace things embed it with so much meaning and so the best type of country music does this
0: yeah they take and this isn't a criticism necessarily but they take the everyday and the mundane, and they spin it into something that's emotional
1: and, and real. Music for all of us. Yeah. And actually, that is everything that really matters. Yeah. Marxists got to get all over this country music thing. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, Karen Nesbaum, who was... Uh, I think she was head of that union. She better be, because I had the whole thing wrong. I got it off of another podcast, Dolly Parton's America. Have you heard it at all? No. It's fantastic. Okay. So this is out of the Dolly episode. Karen Nesbon works through the song, talking about what each verse is about. She talked about this one being about pride. Okay. But about the good sort of pride. So when you pour that cup of ambition, you're forcing yourself out into the world, but it's also this triumphant kind of move, right? You drink the coffee, yeah. you're ready to fight. Yeah. Okay. So, I also have underlined for folks like me. Here's what I think is super important about that line, that word, actually. Folks is like the ultimate word that's safe to use. So, my friends who are like, well, our friend Emil, who's a social justice prof at McMaster, he uses the term folks a lot. Okay. And it's just this way of like covering all bases without demeaning people and all that sort of thing. So, folks speaks to everybody. So this is a song that if you read between the lines, you could figure it's probably about a woman, sung by a woman. Yeah. But a man can get behind this too, knowing that working nine to five is...
0: Oh, exactly. ...garbage. Yeah. the, The
1: folks like me on the job from nine to five, this is a song for the proletariat. Yeah, exactly. Folks brings everyone together, and Dolly Parton is about bringing everyone together. Yeah. And she's very adamant that she's not political, even though, of course... That's not possible. Everyone's political. But the politics of Dolly are about all of us. Yeah. It's not just a safe word. I don't want to say it as though it's safe, but it's an inclusive word. And so our friend Emil also is not saying it to be safe. He's just inclusive. Mm -hmm. He's a better guy than both of us. Um, At least me. (laughs) No, Emil's a pretty stand-up dude. Stand-up folk. (laughs) Yeah. We're headed into this incredible chorus. Now, this is usually a category... But we're just going to jump straight to it. When you were four years old, you probably knew this song.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And
1: we knew the song because the chorus was immediately memorable and easy to understand. Yeah. Even for, I'd say, a four-year-old, but we were pretty advanced as four-year-olds. I think so. But still, I remember this song. I remember hearing it and loving the song since I was a kid. And I know, I think everyone liked the song yeah absolutely. And I didn't have a pedigree in
0: country music. Again, country music to me was my truck was taken away, my girlfriend left me, my dog died. It was all this woe was me?" Yeah. type of songs and music, and it had this that kind of stereotype about it. But this song, which is a pop song, a hundred percent a pop song, it's a it's a pop song, it's a country song. It's a song for all folks. so I knew this song immediately
1: yeah and so those iconic lyrics and i believe we use iconic in about every other episode probably yes yeah okay working nine to five what a way to make a living barely getting by it's all taken and no given they just use your mind and they never give you credit it's enough to drive you crazy if you let it
0: I have that noted in my notes here i like that little rhyming scheme because you rhyme credit with let it because the line is it's enough to drive you crazy right that's how most people would leave that thing but she sings it's enough to drive you crazy if you
1: let it so it has that nice little rhyme to it and there's also this sort of dolliness to it where don't let it drive you crazy yeah where she's It's driving her crazy, but she's also kind of not letting it because she's bringing us all together in this collective misery, but also a kind of collective fight because the music is so upbeat. Yeah. She's going to win. And that's something about this song is it's a revolutionary
0: song, but it has such an upbeat feel and sound to it. And there's a positivity that I think exudes from it. And that's just 100%
1: Dolly. And... Our good friend, Tom Bryhan wrote about this, too. Who may or may not be hanging out with us sometime. He says, It hides class resentment in a thumping beat and a big hook and a movie star smile. But that resentment is still there. Yeah. So I think hidden in here is something possibly even more maybe contentious in the sense that Dolly says she doesn't go political. But the line, and they never give you credit, is appropriate Coming from a woman who wouldn't have been able to get credit ten years earlier, so in the early '70s, you could only get credit if your brother or husband or maybe your father vouched for you. So you're talking like financial credit. Financial credit. You yeah. could not get it if you were a woman. That's that's crazy. And it's at most ten years previous. I think it's even. It took till like maybe '74 in all the states to finally stop this that's crazy it's crazy and so even like i'm just trying to think through this like they're only a few years removed from women being in the workforce and at the same time i don't know just thinking now are we further ahead as a culture i feel like we're all still desperately trying to pay off mortgages with these sort of double income situations where it's like wait a second how is it that we're not getting further ahead it's the man oh it's the man I mean, not to get too political here, but I mean, it's obviously the the one percenters. Yeah. If we were to rise up, Frank, maybe you and I could become a one percenter. I mean, maybe we could take them down. Yeah. No. You want to be a one percenter? Yeah. Yeah. I want my private jet. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) There goes the podcast. All right, I have written in my, um, in my notes here, beside each chorus, I numbered them because there are three variations of the chorus.
0: Yes, and I'm agreeing with you because I'm assuming
1: you're correct. Yeah. So, the second variation comes directly after the first chorus. Interesting in the song that they go double chorus, because usually you'd go chorus and go to the next verse. Yes. But it's double chorus. Nine to five for service and devotion. You would think that I would deserve a fat promotion. Want to move ahead, but the boss won't let me. I swear sometimes that man is out to get me.
0: Mhm.
1: So, Karen Nesbaum, the head of the 9 to 5 union, says, now we're into grievance mode, where she's got the ambition, and now we're airing our grievances. Oh, okay. Sort of like Festivus. This is the airing of the grievances. The grievances, yeah. <laughs> and it's right. Like, you'd think I deserve a fat promotion, but no, the boss won't let me get ahead, and he's out to get me. And I've, I know that. And any job I feel that I've ever worked at... People always assume the manager has these giant plans, or like in my schools, the principal has these plans. And it turns out the principal doesn't have plans at all, right? It's like, everyone's just trying to get by, but the person above you is the enemy, right? And in, in, within the sort of structure. Well, you know I'm a manager, right, Bill, at my job?
0: Oh, right. Uh, I have no plans either. No. I have
1: no idea what I'm doing. Don't worry. I talk to the people who work under you. They think you're evil. Oh, Perfect. I also have Marxist written down. <laughs> so, just want to uh, give a it shout out. It says
0: Dolly's not political.
1: I want to give a shout out to all our friends with PhDs. This song's also for you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we get to verse two here, Frank. You ready? Yes. Okay, this is where we go into class conflict mode. They let you dream just to watch him shatter. You're just a step on the boss man's ladder. But you got dreams he'll never take away. Clickety-clack, clickety-clack. In the same boat with a lot of your friends, waiting for the day your ship will come in, and the tide's gonna turn, and it's all gonna roll you away.
0: They let you dream just to watch them shatter. You're just a step on the boss man's ladder, but you got dreams he'll never take away. In the same boat with a lot of your friends, waiting for the day your ship will come in, and the tide's gonna turn, and it's all gonna roll you away.
1: Frank, got a question. Is the tide coming in, like, helpful? Or are they actually going to just tip the boat right over? I'm, I'm trying... I don't understand how tides work.
0: Apparently, it has something to do with the moon. But my thinking is that the tide comes in, and it takes whatever ships you're on, and just... It throws them in disarray.
1: Yeah. That... This is what I think she's trying to say. Am I correct? I think so. It seems like a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. When she says... It's all going to roll you away is like this sort of fatalist, but also we're all in the same boat. So, hey, at some point we're going to realize we could take the boss man down. Well, if we all rise up and this is
0: where the podcast turns into a revolution right here and right now, if we all rise up against the people who are in charge, then we're the ones in
1: charge. And there's more of us than there are of them. I'm saying this as uh, one of the people in charge. Yeah. But I got to also say this. As a teacher with 33 people sitting in front of me in a class tomorrow, (laughs) they could also rise up, but they don't want to rise up because they got dreams I could never take away from them. Well, I could actually, and that's why they're not throwing me away. Yeah. But I wonder with my principal, like... I guess we could all rise up, but I don't want his job. I just want to do my thing. I don't want my boss's job. And when I worked at the shoe store, I didn't want to be manager of the shoe store. Back to the choruses here. So there's a repeat of chorus one, which we're used to. Yep. But chorus three, nine to five. Yeah, they got you where they want you. There's a better life and you think about it, don't you? I love that. Yeah. Holy cow. It's a rich man's game, no matter what they call it. And you spend your life putting money in his wallet, working for the man. I know we quote this a lot, and especially in this episode, but Tom Bryan said, this wouldn't have been out of place in a Rage Against the Machine song. Yeah. And I think he's right. Absolutely. it's a, This is cutting. And so someone had said that Dolly Parton turned out to be a pistol. Everyone thought that she was just fun and a funny character, just yeah. like she told Barbara Walters. But turns out that she's like kind of a, a... This is a biting and scathing song. Oh, yeah. And so just to go back there, where she's telling the person don't you think about it don't you think there's a better life and then saying this whole thing we're involved in is a rich man's game no matter what they call it and all you're doing is putting money into their wallet so there is a call of sort of a reminder to you to not lose yourself in this when i went to uh my friend mark's graduation from law school it's all going to come together their uh valedictorian had this speech where she said remember if you win in the rat race, that still makes you a rat. Oh, wow. And it was like, whoa. <laughs> and it's just a reminder to not lose your humanity. And I feel like Dolly's also saying that. Don't forget, it's a rich man's game. Yeah. And it's not like she wants to be the rich man. She wants to be herself. She's got dreams. And so they, they, she knows we're putting money in their wallets, but there's a sense that something else is brewing if there's a 9 to 5 sequel Dolly could be leading a giant revolution. There's a lot of repeats of the chorus from here on in. Just yeah. hits the end. But there is a moment where they repeat chorus number three. But instead of saying, you think about it, don't you? It changes to And you dream about it, don't you? Just that little line.
0: That little switch, yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's enough for you to remember that there's more out there. And there's a sense that all the people working there have these bigger dreams, which she referred to earlier. And she does say earlier he'll never take away your dreams right and so yeah. that's maybe that might be kind of the centerpiece of the song in a sense i mean you could argue musically it's not but that dreams have come back but she also reminds the boss you're not going to take my dreams away you want to hear one of the dreams from the nine to five meetings where Jane Fonda brought in the nine to five union workers to try to get ideas for the movie? (laughs) What do you dream about doing to your boss? And they said, I dream about taking my boss, putting him through a coffee grinder and then having drip coffee and drinking him
0: that's awful
1: <laughs> that's horrendous was, so jane fonda's original movie idea was a horror film she said there's an electrocution scene they cut out of it there's oh my goodness! Yeah. so she it was jane fonda's call she just said wow i can't put that in the movie yeah but they just said the amount of um revenge fantasies that came from these people who had to work underneath this oh. and and there they had like a um an awards ceremony every year for the worst possible bosses. So kind of like horrible bosses, but for real. And truth teller Phil Donahue (laughs) would have him come on the show and tell these stories. And the stories are ridiculous. One guy asked a woman to go into his office, to the carpet, and sweep up all the fingernails that he'd clipped off, all his fingernail clippings. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. And another had fired a secretary for giving him white bread instead of rye bread for his ham sandwich, and another one ripped his pants at the crotch and then had his secretary sew it back together while he was still wearing the pants. Why your boss is terrible? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Has power corrupted me, my managerial position? Well, you've changed And, and my it, man. middle management? <laughs> well, I noticed that you kind of took the legs off the chair and you seem about two feet taller than me than usual. Well, I feel like a big man when people are smaller than me, so yeah. It makes sense, Bill. It's true. <laughs> oh, this song is so good. And I love just seeing songwriters, and it just says Dolly Parton. Yeah. I love that she is in charge of the whole thing. Yeah, She's calling the shots and playing this role that people would be wise to not mess around with. But at the same time, she doesn't hurt anybody, but she's in full control. It's a very sneaky song.
0: Yeah. Because... As we mentioned, it's fun and poppy and bouncy, but it is very, and I don't want to use the word more so it loses its meaning, but it is very
1: revolutionary. It is very much a protest song. Well said, Frank. Well said. Besides being a giant protest song and a revolutionary song, and a song that would be used and remembered for generations, but if you try to use it for political purposes, Dolly Parton's management will let you know that they didn't endorse it.
0: It's similar to Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, which has been used as sort of pump-up music at political rallies and stuff like that, which is an anti-American song.
1: Right. In terms of anti-American imperialism, right? Yeah, yeah. So 9 to 5 is sort of anti-business imperialism, right? Where people will use it, even political figures will use it, but Dolly's saying, no, no, no. Yeah. This is not... That either. We we've said it before, I'll say it again. It's a sneaky, sneaky song, yeah. which makes it so awesome. Yeah. And for us, this is the first time we're hearing Dolly as kids. I didn't I didn't know about Jolene until I was a late teen, maybe in my early twenties. I, I didn't know about it until my late twenties, I don't right. think. And so and even if I knew about it, I probably didn't listen to it. Oh, exactly. I didn't know it was it country all. music. We yeah, didn't we like country Yeah, music. we were adamant we didn't listen to country. Yeah. Which means we lost out on a giant portion of great absolutely we did so she's 36 years old about that yeah so you think about the life of a pop star country star maybe but especially pop star to come in at 36 with your number one pop hit is super rare yeah and she still returns with islands in the stream four years later when she just happened to be in the studio Yeah, with with Kenny Rogers. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Everything about it, I don't know if it's four years later, but either way, (laughs) she's still from nine to five. She just takes over. I mean, she's in movies. Her music is still out there. She's still touring. If you see her at the Glastonbury Festival from a few years ago, it's insane. When she plays, they give her a fiddle and she plays this fiddle. Oh, wow. And then they give her this sort of, um, it's like a saxophone, but I think it's a little different. It's smaller. And she can play saxophone. Jeez. And you know what theme song she played? I don't. I'm. I. I don't want to try to put you on the spot there. I'm just gonna tell you the theme song.
0: Okay, I appreciate that.
1: The Benny Hill song. Oh,
0: yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs>
1: she won over everybody. That's awesome. I have this feeling that the UK really do love country music, and for them, it's this foreign thing that fascinates them. And for us, it's this thing that we. Th- think we're too good for. I say that to my um shame as a younger person that I, I didn't get into it. I know my sister's totally into country music. And I'm trying to get there. I'm I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to take that shame and to go guilt free with it. So just put this out there as I speak quickly as you I stop you from speaking. Is there a country song that our listeners feel that like we're missing out on for the guilt free universe? Is there a guilt free country song? And by Guilt Free, a song that maybe you'd be made fun of for liking, but it's an awesome song. Wait, are you asking me to answer on behalf of our listeners? No, I'm going to put it in like the Spotify thing where they ask questions. Oh, gotcha. But people could also reach out. Because I don't
0: know all of our listeners. No.
1: I know four of them. No, but I would like those other listeners maybe to reach out to us. We have an Instagram account that we look at. There is a Twitter account that I haven't updated for a while, but I do look at it every day. <laughs> there is a Facebook page. There's know. a Facebook. Yeah, we we check that one out every day. And the Mastodon, I, I think I think I just gave up on. We also have an email that I put on. Are we ready to talk some categories? Yeah, the, the music video that goes along oh, with yeah, this... Yeah.
0: There's not a whole lot to it. It's Dolly and her band playing and her singing, obviously, but it's interspliced with women getting ready, going to work. Yeah, And then there are some some clips from the movie. And it, I found it interesting that those scenes in the video, when they started on, it said scenes from the movie 9 to 5.
1: Like, we wouldn't know. <laughs> that was incredible. When I saw that, I'm like, what promotion is this? This music video, it's great to see the early music videos and how far we've come since then. Yeah. Or how far we've sort of lost the plot, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but still, it's nice to see a band playing, and most likely actually playing. There's a man named Michael Bolton, Frank. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't, don't know. You don't say. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he could do this song. Do you think he could do this song? No, this is
0: one of those... Dolly's in a completely different universe yeah. from any other singer that I know. Yeah. I don't know any other singer that owns their own amusement park
1: right i don't know any other we didn't thing. even talk about dollywood, no did we? we didn't talk about <laughs> dollywood we didn't talk about the fact that she basically funded a uh, coronavirus vaccine that's right she's, <laughs> she's better than all of us oh absolutely she's basically the john cena of country music but we can see her <laughs> i wrote that down have been you? waiting to say that all day it's <laughs> <That's> fantastic
0: <laughs> For those of you who don't know, John Cena has, has set the Guinness World Record for most Make-A-Wish Foundation appearances
1: yeah. in history. Yeah, but he did not fund a coronavirus No, vaccine. he did not. No. <laughs> Dolly Parton is the best of us, and yes. it just keeps getting better. Like Just everything we hear about her, to her credit, it's, an, it's insane. But one thing I was shocked at, she doesn't work 9 to 5. She wakes up at 3 in the morning to start her spiritual practice, And then pretty much seems to work all day and then sometimes goes shopping in the middle of the night with her husband because that's the best chance no one's going to see her out there. When does she sleep? I don't know.
0: That's bonkers. Yeah,
1: Dolly Parton might not sleep.
0: So Bill, what part of this song brings you joy?
1: The horns at the very end. Okay. So we get through the song. The whole song is full of joy. But when those, as you described, ragtime horns seem to come up, it just brings it all up another level for me. I adore it. I was writing some notes
0: down when we were listening to the song before we started the episode, and I wanted to make sure that I got it right. It's in the second verse where she sings, but you got dreams he'll never take away. The way she jumps up on take. Yeah. It's cool because it's that sort of, that punch in the face just so you got dreams that he will never take away like it's really emphasizes is it like a country lilt to it a bit yeah i was gonna sing it but then i forget exactly how it goes and also like i know i have a terrible voice and and can't sing necessarily well but i can't do that to dolly no
1: dolly is pretty much angelic yeah and I mean, if she were to pass away, let's hope that's like 50 years from now, will um, they just immediately make her a saint? You know how Mother Teresa got saint yeah. right away? Maybe St. Dolly. St. Dolly. Absolutely. I'm ready to just call her St. Dolly now.
0: You're just a step on the boss
1: man's ladder, but you got dreams he'll never take away. All right. Oscars. This song was nominated for the Oscar Awards. The song that won Frank is... Fame from the movie... Fame. It was actually competing against another song from fame called Out Here On My Own, which I don't remember. So the song Fame, that was by Irene Cara, right? Yeah. I mean, Dean Pitchford wrote the lyrics. We've talked That's about it. That's right. Yeah, length. yeah, yeah. And Michael Gore wrote the music. But yeah, Irene Cara. And then you have Dolly Parton. There's an, a nine to five. Then you have a song called The Competition. Oh, no, it's from the movie The Competition called People Alone. I don't remember that one. I don't one.
0: remember that one at all.
1: But another song called On the Road Again by Willie Nelson was also nominated. What movie was that from? Honeysuckle Rose. I've never seen that movie or even knew that movie No, I didn't know it. I I know a jazz song called that, but I don't know that. So there is that. Now I'm going to tell you what was in the top five when it hit number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Dolly Parton, number one, of course. Mm -hmm. Number two, I Love a Rainy Night, Eddie Rabbit. Oh, okay. Yeah, which yeah. went to number one. Yeah. a week later, and then Dolly Parton took, took it back. over. Yeah. yeah, number three, Celebration, Cool in the Gang. Oh, also a number one. No, song. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, which I think was number one before, and then Dolly Parton took it over. Woman by John Lennon and The Tide Is High by Blondie. Oh, okay. That's a pretty that's impressive, pretty good top top five. five. So yeah. that's from February twenty first, nineteen eighty one. Right before we started this podcast, you found some comments on the internet, one which was a bit more um, racy, but then this other one that you found really kind of called out the song in terms of saying, hey, there's another song that sounds just like this.
0: Yeah, so the melody is very, very similar to an old-timey song called Me and My
1: Fiddle. And it came out, I think it may be 1961, but it's country. Yeah. It's not anything like what I expected from 61. I'm just thinking Elvis and whatever. Yeah. But this was uh, totally different. And you can hear certainly elements of the verses in there. Yeah, absolutely. So much so, I'm surprised I couldn't find more on the internet. So, when I typed in Mean My Fiddle and 9 to 5, all I could find was the song facts comment. That yeah. Was and up, that was, I think, twice. That's all I
0: could find, too. Yeah.
1: Well, what a call. Good call, person who said that on Facts. Well, it was either Anna from Australia,
0: or it was Linda from Shelton, Washington. They might be sisters. They might.
1: All me and my fiddle, all alone, I have no one to call my own. I'm so lonesome, lonesome as can be. Oh, I've been wishing I'd find a gal, someone who will be my pal. Just me and my fiddle are all alone, you see,
0: Bed and to the kitchen pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life
1: Mixtape yeah, Yes I'm going to let you go first I have a feeling our- Oh, they're totally going to cross over Absolutely I'm totally going to steal yours I have a lot So I have, oh, you uh, do? I have okay. backups in case you steal them Okay, so there was one song that I... I got obsessed with this week and kept texting you about. I'm kind of surprised you weren't really responding to my text, but I just kept telling you what I was planning to do. Sometimes managers have to work, Bill. I, I know. And my class was wondering why I was on my phone the whole time. <laughs> the song I did not put on because we are going to be revisiting it very, very soon is the other song called Nine to Five. Which came out before this 9 to 5, but in the UK, and then came out after this, though, in the States, renamed Morning Train. Yes. But it's 9 to 5, originally written at the same way as 9 to 5 with the numbers, but then they re-put it as the letters 9 to 5. Oh, Okay, yeah. By Sheena Easton. Yes. And so there's so much for us to talk about with that, but we're going to save that for the Sheena Easton episode on Morning Train. Okay, I have, this will shock you, Songs About Women Working. Okay. Okay, first one. After, of course, I'd begin with 9 to 5, Dolly Parton. She Works Hard for the Money, Donna Summer. Well, that's crossed off of my list now. You ready for some more for you to cross off? Now, speaking of Sheena Easton, she was um, friendly, and I mean platonically friendly, with Prince. Yes. And Prince was also platonically friendly with Susanna Hoff and the Bangles. And he wrote for them, Manic Monday. (laughs) Crossing that one off my list. I'm sorry, Frank. Are you? No. Okay. I've stolen so many of your songs in the past. I feel this is... All right, you ready for the next one? Do you have Working Girl by Cher? No. Oh, incredible song. Kind of disappointed they don't have a remastered version. So there's a big drop in the sound loudness when you listen on Spotify. Then I have... I shouldn't be... Well, I'm three in. Okay. Work hard, play harder. Gretchen Wilson. Okay. (laughs) It's really good. Yeah. She works hard, but she plays a lot harder. Yeah. And then I'm going to save my final one because that's four. I'm going to give five and then wait to hear yours and then maybe jump in with a six. Okay. A little bit of a um, left field choice, maybe. I am woman. Helen Reddy. Oh, Nice. Hear her roar, and numbers too big to ignore. It kind of throws off the whole feel. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't follow. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah, my apologies. But that's how mixtapes go. You know what? Close it off. Put on your fifth. Let's hear it. Independent Women by Destiny's Child. Good call. That's a great song. Yeah, okay.
0: (laughs) So my mixtape, not about women working. It was a little more broad. Just about work. Mm -hmm. Songs about working. And I'm going to apologize again. There are a ton... Of country songs about working. But I don't know them. Yeah. Because I haven't really explored that realm. So there aren't any country songs on my mixtape, unfortunately.
1: Goals for the new year. There will be a country episode coming
0: up. Anyways, songs about working. Working for a living. Huey Lewis in the News. Bang on the Drum All Day. Todd Rundgren. Oh, yeah. Taking Care of Business. Uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive. Oh,
1: I, uh... You know, I want to like, I think I like Randy Bachman, but yeah. I, th- I think I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> and I worry about telling you I hate that song because you're like, great, next episode, taking care of business. Great Jim Belushi movie, though, huh? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Working for the Weekend by Loverboy. Oh, I had that in my earlier, yeah. That is such a good tune. And I'm going to close it off
0: with Hey Julie by Fountains of Wayne. Do you know that song? <laughs> no. It's a great song. He's wow. talking about toiling away at this job that he is completely underappreciated at with terrible bosses, but he's coming home to his, his best girl, Julie. Okay. And it's all about her bringing him up and he's working and, and just enduring. But at the end of the day, he knows he has a good thing that he's going home to.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed our exploration of 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. It's super intimidating talking about Dolly Parton for a number of reasons. One is she's beloved by everybody. Two is there's already a whole bunch of other things out on Dolly Parton. And three is she's part of the Yakuza, and if we piss her off, she's going to have us murdered. The dark side of Dolly Parton. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, two podcasters had the courage to talk about this. This would probably be our last episode, but Dolly, you're worth it. And so in closing, we want to salute you, dear listener. So many of you tumble out of bed every morning and drink up that cup of ambition. And when you're toiling from nine to five, just know that you can sneak some earbuds in and listen to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures.